Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, we have another contract extension. Joel Farabee is going to be in the Flyers' future for many more years now. Uh, the next seven, he will be playing out the final year of his entry-level deal this season, and then he just signed a new six-year, $30 million contract uh, extension. Pretty impressive deal for a pretty impressive young kid, 21 years old. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Taryn, what did you think of the contract? I think it was deserved, and I think it was great to get him locked up. Yeah, I was surprised. This was another one um, similar to the Broussard contract where I'm like just sitting there and I did, it was funny, I did have a little bit of a heads up that something was going to happen, but I didn't know exactly what was supposed to happen because yesterday, behind the scenes, I was supposed to interview Wade Allison one-on-one yesterday about development camp, and then I get a text that's like, you might want to hold off on trying to do that interview. Something else is going to happen. And I'm sitting there racking my brain like, what could they be doing? Like, they don't need to sign anyone new. What could this be? Um, you know, Carter's extensions already done. Like, what would this even be? And then it's Joel and it's six years for a 21 year old. Um, I was kind of shocked, but like you said, I mean, this is a, if Joel continues to grow the way he did from year one to year two, the flyers will be in a very good place with him. Um, come, come, you know, like two, three years from now, but, um, I think this was a good one to get done and get out of the way because Joel did perform so well last year. And I think he is someone they would like to see as part of their future long-term. And also I hate to think this way because I prefer to keep all the the good guys in house and Joel's a good guy, but um, you add that contract, you also get a little bit more room to, you know, deal him potentially if there's a team who wants a young guy with long-term kind of contract terms, which is, I'm sure not what Chuck Fletcher is thinking, but the reality situation that's there. Um, and, and like I said, like Joel's just a great kid. So you love to see this come together for him. Um, he doesn't have to talk about it all year or next camp or whatever. Uh, and I don't think he's not one of those people who, gets a big deal, gets a big opportunity, and then takes his foot off the gas. Joel's just not like that. He certainly hasn't been that way since he got to the NHL or with Team USA or at Boston for that matter. So, um, you know, I think it's it's something where showing faith in Joel incentivizes him. It doesn't basically like give a kid everything he could want more and then he doesn't do anything. I'd be shocked if that happens. So, I mean, went all around. I just, I don't know about you. I was, I, 
when the news came out, I just didn't, I, I'm like, Chuck's just trying to get everything done this year. If he could get everything done right now, he would. Um, but, you know, that's Chuck for you. Just the guy never stops working. Yeah, Terry, how many times have we we thought like, okay, that should be it for the off season. That should be the final yeah. thing on his to-do list. And boom, he's coming out with, you know, Sean Couturier extension, Joel Farabee extension, Derek Broussard. Like, it's just funny how that works. He is, yeah, he is working nonstop. Uh, I think that guy deserves... Uh, just give him a long weekend or something. Let him uh, yeah. enjoy himself before the season's here. And, uh, he's, and he's doing it. It's like we're getting into the most busy time of his year, too. Yeah. <laughs> like the season is about to start. Um, you know, there's all kinds of, I don't want to bring down the mood, but there's all kinds of like changing situations with the COVID of it all and everything else. Like you'd think the guy would want to take like a weekend in golf or, you know, just hang out. Um, <laughs> And he does it. He just wants to sign contract extensions. So, That's all he wants to do. Yeah, go figure. Sign, yeah, sign, sign deals. Get guys about, signed. Yeah. And I even saw he was even on the yep. perch uh, a couple of times watching Flyers prospects at development camp. So he was even looking at guys that are well down the road um, from reaching the Flyers. So, yeah, he's doing it all. And, yeah, Taryn, a couple of things that dawned on me with it was uh, I think this is – I think they have, they have wanted to get Joel – Locked up, obviously, young, great player that's uh, led their team in goals. So I think that was a goal of theirs to get it done uh, before even the offseason, which obviously they did. And I think it makes them a little bit easier. It makes it a little bit easier to maneuver and start looking at other things. Like you can get Joel's cap hit. You can plug it in now. You can work around it. So I think that's a big factor. And then I really thought this is a good motivator for all young prospects in the team system. It's like, Look at Joel Farabee. Look what happens when you work hard, you prove yourself, you capitalize on opportunities. You can get paid. You can, you can, um, you can get long-term security. You can be a flyer. Um, I think it's a really good model for all the young players in the system of is this is what happens when you do the right things um, and, you, and you can help the team and you can set yourself up for an NHL contract. So I think that's the thing that the Flyers thought about. Were you surprised at all at um... – not not even the term money wise, but the six years. I wasn't. I think it's a really good term. I really do. It keeps him through until he's 28. He'll be a 28 year old when he can actually be a UFA. Um, I think they've seen enough, Taryn, to believe that this kid's going to be a player. He's going to get better. And sometimes these deals become bargains, too. And Taryn, I thought it was kind of crazy to think that he will be getting paid more than what Sean Gattorier was paid for the last five years in which we'll be now at the sixth year. That's what I think Wild. when it came to the numbers, that, that's what I think surprised people was mm-hmm. that not necessarily the Sean Couturier of it all. Well, maybe, but the, when you talk about Joel getting six additional years, which is truly seven years when you factor in his current contract, you're talking about him playing until he's 28. Um, while Sean Couturier was 28 this past season, he won the Southie Trophy at 27, and he was paid less than Joel is now. Um, but you look at – you'd hope by seven years from now the, the flat cap will have been lifted and that these teams will probably be spending a little bit more money. And, like, to your point, if Joel plays well and that's the case and certain guys who have comparable numbers are asking for – more money because, Hey, maybe they took a cut during the flat cap era or whatever. Um, Joel does become, and this is wishful thinking, but Joel could become a bargain to your point. Um, 
five million dollars for a 27 year old you like I said you look at what Sean Couturier did at 27 and most people would take a five million dollar Selkie Trophy winner and I know that's not Joel's game um but uh you just that's about his prime you would think is sort of once you get into your late 20s yeah uh but yeah it is it's crazy just in general and I know everyone says this about Sean Couturier it is crazy in general to look at Sean Couturier's contract over the past few years and compare it to literally anyone's contract. Like yeah. he was such a, it was like you went to an estate sale and you got a high end luxury item just raffled off at a, at an insanely low price because you didn't realize how great the quality was till you saw it up close. Like it's just, it is insane to think about. Um, but I was, I was very interested to see the, I think just because of Joel's age, some of the response online, it wasn't even negative. It was more just like, wow, six, six years for a guy who was in college, not that long ago. Um, but, and I know we'll hear from Joel a little bit later in this podcast. And I mentioned this when I got to talk to him one-on-one yesterday. So on Thursday, um, Joel, I interviewed Joel the 2018-2019 season, he was up at BU and the Flyers were playing the Bruins in Boston. And so they brought Joel down and we got to interview him about how his season was going and, you know, being one of the hopes for the Flyers' future, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember saying to him then in 2018-2019, what do you think you'd like to do here? Like, do you think you'd rather stay at BU another year, you know, try to win a national championship, get a little bigger, get a little stronger? Because he was small like he looked I felt like such an obese Amazon woman standing next to Joel at that point in time because he was you know I think he he was probably 18 maybe 19 depending what time of year the game was um no he would have had to be 18 I believe I don't know now I'm getting into two but he was still a teenager is my point you know he was fresh out of out of high school and he was just a kid he was just a really talented kid And you could tell he kind of was like, I think I need to get a little bit more physically mature before I make the jump. And then the next year he's making the jump. Like he, the next year he, he does well. He decides that he's going to join the flyers and he makes the jump. And then this year he leads the team in goals and signs a $30 million contract. It is wild how rapidly everything progressed when it came to him. Um, But like I said before, he really, uh, he really deserves it. He really takes, um, he takes criticism like a vet and he holds responsibility like a veteran and not in a way that's um, like condescending is the wrong word, but not in a way that's, you know, overly self-indulgent. He just came into the league and had a professional mindset. Like he is a pro. And again, we'll we'll get into it in the interview, but I, you know, I've talked to him a bit, you know, I think he just, he comes from really solid beginnings and he talks about coming from a, you know, a pretty normal middle-class family. And I think this is just so exciting for everyone around him that he realizes the the gravity of the opportunity and the responsibility that comes with it. And he handles it in a really great way. And to be able to do that at 19, 20 and 21 years old, you hope that he only continues. And by 27, 28, you might be looking at a guy who's like a captain figure in the locker room to some of the younger guys, because he's been through it as a young guy. 
Um, just, you know, everything is undetermined. Everything is uncertain when it comes to the future, but the potential of Joel based on what we know is pretty, is pretty decent. So, you know, you, you understand why Chuck got it done. I just was not expecting it at all. <laughs> I know it was, it was a surprise for sure. Um, and we will be getting into Taryn's one-on-one interview with Joel Farabee very soon on this episode. It's a great interview. And Joel talks about his upbringing and if this is kind of like how has he wondered about how far he's come in such a short period of time. And it really is. It's remarkable uh, to think about fewer than three years ago, he was scoring his first goal at college as a freshman at BU. Last season, he leads the team in goals. Now he's got a six-year contract extension for $30 million dollars. Pretty darn impressive climb. And Taryn, he truly is a pro. I, I even remember in his rookie year, he was playing the Capitals. Big game against, obviously, a team with a lot of big names uh, that won not long ago. And it was, I believe, on national television. So it was the first time where I think Joel Farabee looked a little overwhelmed. Like, the moment was a little too big for him. I think he was just kind of taken aback. Not by when he court. fought Jamie Alexiak? Yeah, yeah. Not that game? Not that game. But uh, and it was a point where he was uh, when when the puck was on his stick, he was getting rid of it right away. And that's not it was very un Joel Farabee like. And uh, he, he was he sat the next game and the Flyers felt like he um, was turning the puck over too much and just needed a, a time to sit back and, and take a game. And uh, we talked to him and he was like, hey, if uh, if I was the coach, I would have put I would have put myself on the bench, too. Um and I'll have to double check. I don't know if he definitely sat the next game, but he was benched for almost the entirety of the third period. He didn't play in the third period. And he said, if I was a coach, I would have sat myself too. Uh, he was very hard on himself and a pro and he takes criticism. I think that's a reason why he's developed at the pace in which he has. Do you hear Hard someone time. playing playing 90s music loud outside of my apartment right now? There's just someone walking by with a, can you hear it? I just want to make sure people can hear it on the podcast. It's not me in my house. It's it's just city living. But Taryn is a fan of 90s music. Uh, I, I know that for sure. But I am. I certainly am. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, let's get into that interview uh, by Taryn Hatcher with Joel Farabee, the new six-year, $30 million guy with the Flyers. Here it is uh, in its entirety. Hope you enjoy Flyers fans. All right, Joel, big extension. What, six years, $5 million over the course, or AAV over the course of those six years. Uh, I mean, first things first, and I know this is the question every athlete gets when they sign a big contract. So forgive me for being, um, you know, not exactly creative in this, but what does a 21-year-old do when you sign a contract like that? Anything that you had in mind that you wanted to, to buy once you got out of that rookie contract and, and signed the big one like you just did today? Yeah, um, I don't know if I'll buy anything in the, in the near future. I definitely would like to, you know, probably get a home uh, somewhere back in Syracuse. I think somewhere probably near the lake. That, that's probably first on my agenda that popped in my head. But, you know, other than that, I, not much going on. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. Probably, probably just like to get a house somewhere and, uh, you know, go from there, start my life. What was this whole experience like for you? I know I was listening in on the press conference and Bill Meltzer made a great point when he said, you know, usually teams don't look to sign, you know, a 21 year old for as long as you were able to sign today, but definitely shores up your future here in Philadelphia. And obviously it seems like Chuck has done a lot to try to shore up this team as a whole moving forward. So what was this whole process like for you as you were looking down the barrel of 
hey, how many years do I want to do this here? And what do I really hope to accomplish in Philly? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think throughout the negotiations, you, you talk about a, a number of different scenarios and things like that, however many years. But, um, you know, I, I think as we got down to it, I, uh, you know, five or six years was, uh, you know, something that I had in mind. So um, it's definitely nice to get it done. Um, you know, I, I think it's really good for, you know, just to have, you know, management here believe in me and things like that. So really looking forward to, you know, prove what I can do in these next six years and, you know, hopefully, you know, make that this deal was a good deal. How much did all of the offseason moves that Chuck made and just how much he tried to improve really the quality of the team after kind of how last year went down, how much did that factor into, you know, your eagerness to re-sign here, to get something done here and get something done long-term? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think just, you know, with, with the signings that we do have, you know, Coots, Sanheim, Hart, uh, you know, Lott signing last year, even TK's deal, I, I think – you know, it just shows that those guys want to be here. And, you know, I, I also want to be here, you know, as long as I can. So, um, like I said, looking forward to the future. I, I think we have a really good core, um, you know, along with some really great leadership. So these next few years should be really fun. And, you know, I, I think we have a really good team to, you know, you know get to that, get to make a deep run in the playoffs and, and things like that. Obviously, last year you took, I think everyone will acknowledge, a, a pretty massive step as a young player. And, you know, whereas really one of the, the few bright spots in a difficult year for a lot of Flyers fans was watching how much your game grew. What do you think was the biggest contributing factor to that step that you took last year? And how have you tried to take that sort of next step coming into this season? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, just going into last year, I think, um, you know, you're playing every other day. So you're, you're on the ice all the time and things like that. So I, I really really got comfortable on the ice and, you know, just my confidence with the puck and things like that. I think my rookie year, I was, you know, pretty nervous with the puck and just didn't want to make too many mistakes. Whereas last year I kind of felt like, you know, I was playing my game and, you know, just not thinking too much, just going out there and playing. So hopefully I can bring that, you know, this next year and, um, you know, hopefully obviously keep getting better and things like that. But yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is when I'm playing with confidence, you know, and just feeling good myself. I, I think that's when I play my best hockey. What did off-season training look like for you last year and what has it looked like for you so far this season? Has it been, I know it's been drastically different for some guys, how shut down things were last summer versus this summer, but I'm wondering how different has it been for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure during COVID, uh, you know, I, I was still able to work out in Syracuse and things like that. I had a really small group, so um, I was very fortunate enough to be able to get in the gym and things like that. Um, you know, the, this past summer was, was pretty normal summer for me. Um, you know, I, I spent... Uh, probably June, July at home, uh, just working out with my trainer back in Syracuse. And then, you know, I've been here most of August. So uh, definitely feel really good. You know, we've been getting a lot of good skates and guys are, you know, starting to slowly show up here. So we're, we're getting everyone back. And um, yeah, just trying to get ready for camp. But I think the biggest thing right now is, um, you know, just getting that conditioning back. I think I've built up a good amount of strength in my legs and things like that. So uh, it's really just, you know, getting the lungs back. Speaking of building up strength, I don't know if you remember this, but Back in 2018-19, I want to say, Flyers were playing in Boston, and I interviewed you um, during that game, and you were just like this young, kind of skinny teenager playing up in college at Boston. Um, I wonder if you've had any time to reflect over just how far you've come in such a short amount of time, from that being just a few years ago to now you signing a contract that will really extend for the next seven years of your life when you consider your current contract and the extension and all that you've been able to accomplish pretty quickly so far in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
I think when you're, you know, just starting your pro career, you're always just maybe, maybe a little, um, you know, naive or, or immature and, and things like that. Or I feel like, you know, these, these last two years, three years, I, I feel like I really matured as a person and a player. Um, you know, the way I, the way I approach games now is, you know, completely different where I feel like I'm a lot more focused on, on certain things and things like that. So um, just trying to learn as much as I can, obviously, you know, when you're playing with, you know, G Coots, uh, Jake last year, like they, they've played, you know, almost, almost a thousand games a piece. So, you know, just the wisdom they have and the way they think the game has just been so beneficial for me, just being able to, you know, be a younger guy and learn through them. So I, I have to give a lot of credit to the, the veterans that I've played with, and, you know, I've throughout my two years here, I, I think we've had some really great bets. So, um, you know, just trying to learn as much as I can every day I'm at the rink. I think that's funny to me is I think I asked you at that game, do you feel like you're ready to make the step to the pros just yet? And you were like, no, I think I, I think I need another year here at BU. And then the next year you're, you're up with the flyers. And then now look a year and a half after that, you're signing a whole new contract. Uh, just kind of one more biggie for me. What was going through your mind? Well, this is going to be two-parter. What was going through your mind as you actually put pen to paper? And I think the other question that I always wonder what did your parents say to you when you told them about the new contract that you had been offered? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, once I signed, I was just kind of a, you know, a little relieved. I think, uh, you know, when, when you have those negotiations, they can kind of sneak up on you and take away from your game and things like that. So really pumped to just, you know, get it done before camp. And now I can just focus on hockey and, you know, focus on winning. Um, as far as my parents, yeah, I mean, for sure, they're pretty pumped, uh, Obviously, you know, coming from Syracuse, a middle-class family, to be able to sign a, a contract like that is is awesome. So they're they're really proud of me, and uh, it's really nice that I can you know celebrate with them. You'll have to take them out to a nice dinner or something. Yeah, now. I remember sure. meeting them at your first at I think it was your first game, or maybe it was first game they've got to in Philly. They're just such great people. So I had yeah. to ask. Well, Joel, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and congratulations again. Yep. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
great stuff there from Taryn and Joel Farabee. Taryn, what was your biggest takeaway from the interview? He truly is a humble kid. He doesn't say a ton sometimes, but I think that's just because he's very reserved and is very much a don't look at me kind of guy. It reminds me of Sean Couturier and Claude Drew, uh, two guys that are long-time, long-time flyers right now uh, that I think Joel Farabee kind of wants to emulate and follow. What did you think of the interview? I would just like to correct myself really quickly, though, on the Jamie Alexiak situation. I think he wanted to fight Jamie Alexiak, and then Chris Stewart ended up fighting Jamie Alexiak, yes. although Joel fought Pajot and Felino that year, yeah. I believe. And I only bring this up, and I will answer your question in just a second, because I remember one of the biggest things with Joel that other than just his youth and things he had to learn, like one of the biggest criticisms of Joel that first year from within the coaching staff and something that he was willing to joke about was that um, he would consistently pick like one of the bigger, more experienced fighters on the other team and try to fight them, especially in games where um, it felt like it should have been somebody's duty to step up and drop the gloves. Joel, for some reason, as though it should be his duty <laughs> and um and again to, to his credit like I think that's him viewing himself as like I don't want to be seen as the kid on the team I, I want to be viewed as like a professional hockey player so if somebody has to step up here like my box my minutes in the penalty box probably hurt less than like if Coots dropped the gloves and he had to go sit um but I just remember I, I won't say which coach but one of the coaches was laughing with me the one day once you know that that saga was done over with and he was just like you know god bless the kid got he's got the heart of a lion on him but he's just got to realize that if you're six inches shorter and 40 pounds lighter than the guy you're fighting maybe don't pick that fight today <laughs> yeah and I, I just remember it making me laugh because he was yeah I think he was just so eager but uh yeah to your point I do Joel is not a me 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 guy um even to the point of if you ask him about, and I did, if you ask him about being the bright spot on the Flyers last year, you know, I asked him throughout the season in a few interviews. I asked him in this interview, he was asked by other reporters because he was, he was the bright spot. I mean, he alone was probably the one thing that you say, this was a massive positive that I don't see a big draw, like any took a step, but you know, Joel was just a positive step in the right direction is Joel will always come back to, yeah, you know, well, we're putting in the work this year and we hope to take another step as a team and blah, blah, blah. There's really no reveling in his own victories or successes for Joel. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I know it's what people love about hockey players, but even when you, and I've talked about this, you know, right before we did the interview, I give Joel a lot of credit because he's been interviewed through team USA and playing at BU and then now being a professional since he was like essentially a teenager. Um, Joel is very media trained and, and sometimes it's hard to really pull some of those um, like unfiltered candid moments out of him because he, he has, he's learned how to do this the way the pros do it from a young age. But when you catch Joel with his guard down, there's, a, he, he is quite funny and you do see the parts of him where he is still a kid, but there's really no conceitedness within him still, at least not that I've caught, you know, I'm sure there's things I don't see or whatever, but you know, I, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before. I remember all the guys, we were going in there to get interviews and I was waiting to do a one-on-one with somebody and Jake, JVR and Joel 
I want to say somebody else was standing there, but I can't remember whose locker was there. Um, they were talking about kind of, you know, your death row meal, like that last meal, if you could eat anywhere for the rest of your life kind of a thing, where would you, what would you get? And Jake's a foodie talking about getting, you know, like the steak from here and this wine from here and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't remember, I don't think JVR even got to say anything. And Joel, this was 2019, I believe. Joel just turns out, he was like, you know, man, I can't even lie. I'd go Chipotle. And, <laughs> and it was one of those things where it just makes me laugh. And, and I kind of shot him a look and, and Jake looked at me and was like, you hear this? This is how you know somebody just got to the league. You're talking about Chipotle. Like, let me take you out to like Double Knot or Barkley Prime or, you know, one of the really nice restaurants in Philly or Butcher and Singer. And um, Joel is just like, no, like I could eat Chipotle every single day of my life. It's my favorite thing. And it's just, just a simple man. <laughs> and I appreciate it about him. Maybe that's changed since then. Um, well, that's but- what that's when you remember he was born in freaking 2000. It's 2000, like, in 2000. And now he can drink. <laughs> and that makes me feel old. It makes me feel like, I hate to say it because I'm a reporter and I try to stay professional, but I remember talking to him after his 21st birthday and being like, I feel like a babysitter. I feel like it's like, now that you can drink, what are you going to have? Yeah. And you don't want to do that, but it's just, it, it is, it's wild. It's crazy to me. It is. Um, yeah, it was a funny, speaking of Jacob Voracek, a funny story I remember, it was it was um, Joel Farabee's, I think his first training camp. Yeah, it was, because obviously he, he was not in camp before his freshman year at Boston. He was already at BU. First training camp, um, Flyers are scrimmaging, and Farabee has the puck along the wall, and he totally deets Jacob Voracek. Like, made Voracek mm-hmm. jump to the right, Farabee goes yeah. to the left, yeah. And we're in the locker room, and people are chatting with Farabee, you know, talking to the, yeah, obviously the top prospect and whatnot. And Voracek looks over at Curtis Gabriel and he's like, that kid effing broke my ankles, man. Yeah. And like, they're just laughing about it. Uh, and we talked, to, I, I ended up going up to Jake. I'm like, I got to get his insight on Joel Farabee. Jake gave him credit for the move. And uh, that's when I kind of knew him. Like this kid could be pretty good. Uh, this kid's only yeah. 19 and he's pretty good. He's getting uh, people like Jacob Voracek to, to kind of rave and, uh, marvel at it and so that was fun but yeah Tarrant, I loved some of his answers to you I, I I thought it was cool that he wants to get a house eventually by up in Syracuse where he's from in that Syracuse area maybe along the lake a little uh, lake house growing, yeah he's growing up it's true you know that's just and that's another just like do you want to know what this kid does for a living he's a professional hockey player all he wants with his money is a lake house it's yeah. just it's the most professional hockey player move is I just want a house on a lake yeah for the summer and I'm like well, okay. another reminder of how young he was, was when uh, during the pause before they obviously went to the bubble, you know, a lot of players are back home, obviously in their homes where they probably own and live with their, mm-hmm. you know, their wives or kids. Joel was back, back home with to mom and dad. <laughs> mom and dad. And he said his mom's a real good cook. Like he was a kid, like he didn't have a house yet or a home. So yeah, good for him. It sounds like he's getting ready to, you know, start uh, adulthood and really being on his own. Like, that's exciting. I'm sure. I, I met his parents. I, I said this in the interview as well, um, but I didn't get fully into it because I didn't want to like full-blown story time in the middle of an interview. But I met his parents. I, I don't know if it was his first game at the Wells Fargo Center or just the first game they could get to. I want to say it was his first game at Wells Fargo Center because okay. I think they like got covered for work. They drove down overnight. Like I think it was a whole to-do if I remember properly. And I remember meeting his parents and it is always interesting because like, like sometimes you'll meet 
you know, like I remember when I met Carter's mom and his billet and it's like, they're from, you know, Western Canada, whole different kind of situation. And they, you know, lived like a very true Canadian hockey life with him going to juniors and going away and all of that. When I met Joel's parents, I remember thinking like this, these people are like my mom and dad's friends. Like they were so like, so normal, nice. His mom was so excited. She was so, so it was one of those moments where you go, this is a normal kid from a normal family experiencing something incredibly cool. And he will continue to experience it for the rest of his life. But it's one of those situations where you feel very related to the situation because you can tell like, this is a mom and a dad who literally just take their kid to Chipotle and it makes stay <laughs> like, and, and they're, you know, being from the Northeast, there's, there's just that certain familiarity for sure. But I, I genuinely do remember thinking like, I wish my mom's at this game. Cause she would have sat there and talked to Mrs. Farabee for the entire game. And they would have been great friends. Like she was just like, yeah, I got covered at work. So that's great. So yeah. I could be here today. And I was like, you're so normal and adorable and I'm so happy for you and your son's successes and dad couldn't stop smiling. Like it was, oh my God, it was one of the greatest. That was, I love all the parent interviews for the kids first game, but that his was like up there just because, oh my gosh, he was just so excited. And the dad had like a flyers connection. So he was always, you know, like somewhat a fan of the flyers if I'm remembering properly. Probably should have Googled the story before I started talking about it on this podcast. But I'm going from memory here. You're good. And I just remember the dad being like, this is so exciting. Like, I'm so glad he's on this team. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting because that was only, that was only two years ago. Like that wasn't even that long ago. That was two years ago. That was like fall of 2019 or winter of 2019. And, and I hope he goes and buys his parents a house on a lake that they can all share. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here we are. We're recalling our first interviews with Joel Farabee when he was drafted, development camp, freshman at BU. Like that's, it, it, it really, it all happened so fast because he was just such a hardworking, impressive kid. And yeah, kudos to him. I thought, I thought it was cool, Taryn, when you mentioned, um, you know, coming from a middle-class family in Syracuse, like his parents must be super thrilled and proud of him. Not about the money and stuff, just, but like, you know what? He, he worked hard to get this contract and uh, you know, he doesn't come from like a star background or anything like just like you said, middle-class hardworking family parents uh, g- good for him. Well, and it's, it's like one of those things where, and I don't know if you had this in your hometown or uh, where you came from at all, but I think most people do at least have that one person, at least in the history of their hometown. But I remember I grew up in Dalran, obviously Carly Lloyd is from Dalran and you know, we played for the same organizations throughout my entire life. And even I went to her trainer for a little bit, but before, like I was going to her games when she was playing at Rutgers, when I don't think she could have really um, sniffed at the success she would eventually have with the national team, because she was trying to break out of just being on the U21 team. And she wasn't, I mean, she was a star for our reference of what a star was, but she was nothing like she is now. And then you watch her go from like, she swam at Tempe Chase Swim Club and she played for the Medford Strikers like I did. And she went to Dalran High School and all this stuff. And it's those stories of just like a kid who wanted it really bad, worked really hard, some had some sort of natural God-given ability that they really, really made the most of, which a lot of us can't say. Like 
there are a lot of people who have God-given abilities in certain things and whether it's, it's out of reach or they just don't apply themselves or they're not passionate about it. You know, Joel's one of those kids who's just a normal, a normal Joe, a normal Joel and <laughs> figured out what he loved and had some kind of natural gift for it or natural work ethic towards it. And to think that in his hometown where he comes from, he's probably some kid's version of you know, what my Carly Lloyd was when she was at Rutgers and my dad would go drive me up to games, like as a middle schooler. Um, and he's really maintained a great head about it and, and a great attitude about his success, which only I think makes it better. You know, he, he doesn't oversell like the, you know, I'm just like a kid from humble beginnings or whatever. But if you ask him about it, he's like, yeah, this is really cool for my mom and dad. I'm sure his mom and dad never dreamed of having $30 million dollars somewhere in their family. I mean, I don't want to speak on their behalf. Maybe there's like a Rockefeller somewhere in their family, but, um, you know, I just, sorry, Jordan, I feel like I'm blabbing on and on, but no, I'm, like, I'm just, I'm very happy for him and his family because it's, it's nice to see things like that happen to like people that just feel like people, some pro athletes don't feel like people even dealing day to day with them. I know I'm sure you feel the same way. Some of these pro athletes, they kind of don't feel like like a person who experiences life the way you or I experience life. And Joel still very much has that essence about him, which is exciting because you want, you're a normal person who has compassion. You want people to succeed. So. Amen to that. No, perfectly said. And I think Flyers fans should be excited. I, I've always just thought like Joel Farabee reminds me of a flyer. He reminds me of a Sean Gattoria, Claude Drew, guys that are going to work hard, apply themselves um, and do, do Philadelphia proud. And, um, I thought it was really cool when he said he, 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 uh, he already has thoughts and uh, goals and maybe staying here for his entire career. Uh, I don't think you hear that a ton from a 21 year old uh, who's just getting his career started, but he has proved himself so much already. He has warranted the contract and now he's thinking those types of things, being a flyer uh, for the rest of his career. Uh, I think that should excite the fan base. Um, and I think it is, but uh, this was fun, Taryn. It was fun talking about Joel Farabee. Fun talking about the future. Loved your interview with him. That was really great. And I hope Flyers fans enjoyed it. But thank you so much for your time, Taryn. As always, great seeing you. Great chatting with you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and podcast guru. And Fire or thank you to uh, Mike Gaddy also for producing on that interview. Because like I said before, that was a thing where I got a text about 15 minutes before it was yeah. announced. Hey, can you do a one-on-one -on -one at this time? <laughs> I texted Mike. Mike said, we will get a recording set up and everything went off in a matter of like moments. So I want to give a shout out to Mike Gaddy because he's always on it as well. 100%. Michael Gaddy, absolutely. Thank you. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.